0: Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 334. Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom, Bombus, and Baron Fig. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Federico Vaticci. Hi, Federico. Hello. Hello.
1: Hi. You jumped the gun there. Well, I'm very, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you today. It's just me and you today. Uh, that's the reason. Babe, is, uh, he's in the city today. Yeah. He's cheating on us.
0: <laughs> I know. I know
1: he's cheating on me. I know he is. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, it's just me and you today. We have a bunch of fun topics, the kind of stuff that Stephen wouldn't let us talk about.
0: Yeah, I believe my message to you was, let's make it weird.
1: Yes, as always.
0: So uh, we're going to we're gonna be a little bit weird today. Uh, we should start with follow-up, though. Okay. I guess. I do actually have follow-up this time. So usually I like to eschew follow-up when Stephen's not here, mm-hmm. but... There are some things that I legitimately want to talk about, and I guess they could technically be classed as follow-up. Or we could give this whole segment a new name for today.
1: What if, what if it wasn't called follow-up? Okay. How would you call it? Like in 2021, um, if you were to describe right. this kind of section for a podcast. I don't really have a, I don't have a good name. The warm-up?
0: Warm-up. <laughs> <warmer, laughs> mm, <laughs> reflections. <laughs> reflections? <laughs> Uh, boomerang, TJ suggested uh, in the chat room, which I guess is interesting because we're kind of uh, reflecting on what lo- is coming back from last time. Anywho, Mark Gurman reports that Apple are working on a MagSafe battery pack. Uh, so, on okay. last week's episode, we uh, were talking about a Mac Rumors article where I think it was Stephen Moser at Mac Rumors mm-hmm. was digging through uh, some of the uh, code to find reference to what seemed to be a battery pack. And Mark Gurman has reported that Apple are, in fact, working on one. But hmm. whether we see it or not, who knows? I assume that they're probably being careful. They don't want to get themselves into an air power-like situation. But it doesn't matter anyway, because Anchor Gondon did it, and uh, they've released one already. So uh, Anchor have a new product. What is it called? The magnetic the anchor power core magnetic 5k wireless power bank which just rolls right off the tongue as a name
1: yeah anchor and sony they should really get together and collaborate on product names because then it would be called like
0: the anchor power core 566609
1: (laughs) no the wf power core magnetic (laughs) 1000x (laughs) m5 (laughs)
0: <laughs> at least for both of them, it might be a, a, a an upgrade in their naming, right? Because at least it would give Sony naming at least some kind of description.
1: With English words,
0: yes. <laughs> so this is a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, which will take the Pro Max from 0 to 75% in charge. Uh, all of the other phones that will have smaller batteries, it will basically take them to full, if not full charge. It is MagSafe compatible, like all of, of Anchor's other mm. products in this genre. Uh, it's not genre.
1: MagSafe; it's MagSafe compatible,
0: meaning it has magnets in it and it Qi mm. charges, but it's not official. So, right. I've seen different websites reporting different figures, but it will charge somewhere between five to seven point five watts. So, you're going to get regular Qi charging speeds, not the faster mm. MagSafe speed. Um, the Amazon page for this that I was looking at, which was linked to from the 9to5Mac article had an illustration, like an image on it which seemed to suggest to me that you could put the battery pack on a Qi charger and then your phone on top of that so you could charge them both at the same time uh, uh, okay. I like love so. my family enough to not do that <laughs> Uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> because I am convinced that, that would set my
0: house on fire.
1: That is literally the the stack of battery pancakes that we mentioned last week. It is exactly doing yes,
0: that. That is exactly <laughs> it. Uh, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I uh, I don't know, man. I don't mm. know. I, d- d- none of this makes me feel comfortable. I don't. I don't like the thought of this product. I I mm. don't know. It's well, not for so me.
1: The fact that Anchor is not doing uh, official MagSafe accessories uh, accessories in this case it's a pretty big deal because they are effectively limited to charging to half or maybe even lower than the lower than half of the officially supported charging rate for MagSafe uh, MagSafe. Official MagSafe accessories, they can deliver up to 15 watts of charging. I believe the MagSafe Duo charger that Apple makes uh, peaks at about 14 watts. Um, but, but that could of, be because it's splitting the power exactly. out to two different things though, right? Exactly, but I believe that officially MagSafe can deliver up to 15 watts of charging. So mm-hmm. if Apple does this, um, they, I assume they will, a, they will release a MagSafe battery pack that snaps to the back of the phone and delivers 15 watts of fast charging to your device. Um, it's a pretty big difference uh, compared to 5 or 7.5 watts. It's like going to the first generation cheat charging for the iPhone, whatever, the iPhone 10, 11? Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, and it used to be very slow. And then Apple, the following year, maybe two years later, they supported the same, the the, the, f- the faster 15-watt charging for Qi. So the moment I saw that Anchor had one of these devices, I almost wanted to get one. And then I remembered that they're not doing official MagSafe, but MagSafe-compatible, And I think I'm just going to wait for Apple to to release their one, which obviously it's going to be super expensive and it's going to be thicker, I think. Mm -hmm. But I still want to get the faster charging. I'm really intrigued by the idea um, of... And I want to see how it works in practice, but the idea of me going out with an iPhone and a bunch of different things that I can sort of attached to the back of my phone, depending mm-hmm. on the situation. Um, I guess, you know, it would be nice to have an iPhone and then when you need it, you put on the wallet. When you don't need the wallet, you put on the battery pack. It's yeah. almost, you know, constantly exchanging things to attach to the back of your iPhone. It's like modular, which is like cool. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know? And you're keeping, yeah. like, one o- each of these things in a different pocket. <laughs>
0: You just get like a utility vest, you know, like no. or like a fishing vest. And, <laughs> like and a, you basically like you fishing... just put all of these things facing out and you just stick the iPhone onto the vest just... magnetically wherever you need it. <laughs> so you put it like on your right breast pocket when you want it charged. If you need your wallet, you just like clip it to the pocket and slide <laughs> it out and the wallet will come out
1: with it. Man, somebody should make that product. They definitely
0: uh, will now. This is like some, like, conference in the future. Federico's walking around with his, like, MagSafe vest. MagSafe
1: vest. We have, a, we have a talent for wheeling jokes into existence. So I'm sure that this will, somebody will think of this. It's a great idea. That's why. Sure. You can, I'm, I'm sure you will not look ridiculous <laughs> going out and about wearing that MagSafe vest. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna get the Apple one regardless, um, because I always—it's like my tradition. I always get the the Apple uh, battery cases or packs when they release uh, them annually. So moving on uh, in follow up, last week we talked, and to an extent, we criticized the latest Craft update. Craft—it's mm-hmm. the note taking app that we're both using. I believe Mike, in your collection of note taking apps. Craft has a place. It is one of the
0: three or four apps that I'm currently using, yes.
1: Perfect. Uh, The thing we criticized was the new feature called Toggle List, which is sort of like a mini outliner built into craft that allows you to create lists that you can expand and collapse so you can um, there's a little toggle icon that you can click to reveal children nodes i guess uh, and you can expand and collapse the list as you go Um, it wasn't really intuitive to use in its first release thankfully it appears that a bunch of people complained and the team at craft that listened Mm -hmm. And in the update released over the weekend, it is now much easier to operate. So there's a couple of differences that I want to point out from the original version. Uh, You can now see these vertical lines um, connecting all the different toggles. So it's easier to see the structure and the indentation of of the... uh, nodes and the indented items within them. It's much easier to follow the structure of a of a toggle list. And also there's a new keyboard shortcut um, to expand all nested uh, nodes. Uh, you can option click and you will uh, basically uh, open, expand all of the children nodes within a list, which is really nice. Mm. Um, so it's easier to use. I still I still wish that it was... Uh, I believe you mentioned this, Mike, that when you're using the iPhone app, um, dealing with indentation, it's not great. Obviously, it's better on iPad because you have a physical keyboard attached. But, I, you know, sometimes I really wish that the iPhone software keyboard had a tab button. Uh,
0: yeah, well, I mean, like, lots of applications manage... Uh Indent and indent right quite nicely. Yeah. Uh. With you know using, uh, tapping the enter key twice, that kind of stuff. Um. A lot of apps manage it. Uh. And and at this point, with some of them, say like even Google Docs and Apple Notes, they do a really good job. And yeah, like sometimes use swipe gestures or something. Um. And I think Craft. Can still have something a ways to go there because now they have two outlining modes. You know, you can use bulleted lists or you can use their toggling lists. And I think it would now be cool if they spent a bit of time observing how other apps manage uh, outlining features, especially on the iPhone, and what you can and can't do with the keyboard, and kind of integrate some of those gestures and shortcuts effectively uh, into the app. Because if they did that, I mean, this is I'm not putting them in in like some kind of hostage situation here, but like (laughs) if they did do that. It, I would find it way easier to move uh, some of my other stuff to craft because
1: you know I tend to write in an outline format. Two other things I want to mention in this craft update. Yep. Um, document preview when searching. This is super cool. So both on the Mac and on iPad, when you open the search UI, it's like Spotlight. So there's the list of search results on the left uh, mm. side of the search uh, window. But on the right, you will see a preview, like a thumbnail preview of the selected document. So it's a very nice touch because you can, in addition to the title, you can visually preview the document you're about to open from search. That's nice. um, I wish it wasn't uh, available on iPhone too. And also, you can now create spaces. This is part of the, uh, one of the initiatives of the craft team of... Uh, Putting you in control of your data. And one of the things they're doing, in addition to exporting and sharing data from Craft to other applications, now you can create a space in an external location on your device. So this means you can, instead of using the craft servers, you can create a space in iCloud Drive or Working Copy, any other um, compatible location on your device. So that's cool. If you don't want to use the online craft sync, you can create a space that is entirely offline, or you can use iCloud Drive, or you can use any other storage location provider on your device. So that's, that's pretty nice. I'm not going to do this, but that's cool.
0: That surprised me, honestly. Yeah. It seems well, like something yeah. that they don't
1: have to do. I thought it was cool. Well, a lot of, I think a lot of people are... Um, they prioritize the idea of data ownership these days, yeah. which yeah. I totally understand. Uh-huh. So It's, it's, it's your cool. right. It's your right. So I think it's cool that they are addressing this within a few months of their first release, really, uh, instead of saying, yeah, this is one of the things that we're going to do down the road. As a lot of companies promise and few of them actually deliver upon um and this is also taking advantage of a built-in ios and ipad os api so it's like it's very cool to see that um it's both the message and the implementation of it that i that i appreciate
0: but you know i i get it and they, they make it clear if you use that you lose some features so like obviously collaboration tools which is powered by their engine where well, you're not going to get that but right. i think that's perfectly fine like yep. This is what you're trading off against. Uh I saw a friend of the show underscore David Smith posted a tweet showing um the usage or the the kind of the with the, the Apple Watches that he can see in use in Watch Smith. Hmm. And I wanted to bring this up to touch on what we were talking about in regards to if the uh Apple Watch SE is successful or not. Because I figured that whilst David's data is obviously going to be skewed to Watchsmith users. That probably also skews it, I think, maybe to early adopters. I'm not sure. But basically, the the conclusion that David was drawing from his data is that Series 3 watches are still very much in use. So 26% of Watchsmith users have a Series 3 watch, which is, Quite high it's actually the highest of any watch any of any watch at all that uses watchmas so series three is stuck around for a long time mm. now, I wanted to say that like there's a couple of things that are interesting here the other is the SE is six percent, which is really small it, yep. you know so the series four is twenty percent series five is twenty three percent series six is eighteen percent and series uh, the SE watch is six percent. So, kind of indicating that you know, not there aren't a lot of watchsmith users with an SE, um, and I just thought that that was interesting. I think what I'm think, what I'm looking at here is, I think people would look at the SE and say, oh, that you know, there's like a cost thing there, um, but I, I don't. I think what's happening, and like the reason we're seeing so many Series Three watches it's still in use, is the Apple Watch probably is not a year over year purchase for most people and I wouldn't assume that those Series 3 users are going to migrate to the SE because of price. They'll probably migrate to the Series 7 or Series 8 because it right. will be multiple years between purchase.
1: Well, I was not expecting this kind of slow upgrade cycle, though, for an Apple Watch. Because the Series 3 came out three years ago? Mm-hmm. Almost four? Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. But... The the main thing that you don't get is the always-on display, right? But outside and the, of that, and you the ECG, really... Yeah, but I think whilst that is a cool feature, right, I don't know if right. people are clamoring for it, right? Oh, <laughs> Gotta get my not. ECG. Like, it's a great feature <laughs> if you have it, but, like, I, I don't, you know, clearly it's not enough of a driver because there's a lot of people still using Series 3 watches. I just think it's one of those things where, like, most technology products, people do not buy one every year. Phones, people do, because they're mm. so important. But everything else, by and large, like why would you get a new one every year? Especially if you have to buy a new
1: phone, right? Or you want to buy a new phone. At that point, how are you using the Apple Watch? If like, what does the casual Apple Watch user that upgrades every three to four years use the Apple Watch for? As a watch? Well, Notifications,
0: and watch, and fitness. They're well, Series three plus all
1: that. But I guess you're not really that into fitness if you're, because if you are, you would get a new one with a better sensors and the ECG and the right, but, blood but oxygen rate.
0: That's if you're, so you're thinking of health and not fitness. Because like fitness is fitness tracking, which it does, right? Mm hmm. The things that you're mentioning, they are mostly towards the, like, health end, right? Of, like, I want the Apple Watch to make sure I'm alive. You know what I mean? Right. And so, like, I think for most people, those features tend to be nice, but not necessary. Where a lot of the sensors are maybe more necessary. Like, I want something to track my steps, or I want something to track just my general health and fitness. But I would expect most users that are on a Series 3 watch are probably using it for the connected stuff, like the text messages
1: and notifications. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's perfectly fine for that. They are exactly like my mom, who Mm -hmm. uses a Series 3 Apple Watch, and she uses it. Because she thinks it's cool that she's got the Mickey Mouse watch face and she can look at the time and she can read uh, iMessage and WhatsApp notifications. That is literally all she does with an Apple Watch. Yeah. So I, I actually think that there's a lot of people like that. Hmm. I thought it was just my mom. Clearly not.
0: No, I, and also I could imagine it's a lot of people that they have it and they like it. Yeah. They don't love it. So they're not in a rush to get the best thing.
1: Maybe some day some days they for they forget to put it on mm-hmm. and it's fine. Hmm. They're different from us. Well, from me. Well, from you. But <laughs> you know, Steven. I just think
0: like some of the the, the the fitness stuff, right, is if you're not necessarily a fitness person, but you like the fact that your watch does the tracking for you, it's like nice and easy, right? You know, it's like oh, good. All my steps have been counted. It's it's reminding me to stand up every hour. It's like super basic stuff that people are happy with, yeah. but they're not necessarily clamoring for what is my heart rhythm, uh, what is my blood oxygen level, as things that you know. Am make I dying? Think about. Which is yeah. you know, obviously. Well, I mean, insane. we lived before Apple Watches, you know. Right. I know that that isn't necessarily the case for everyone. There's lots of really great stories, but I don't know if it is a driver for enough people. I think well, I think clearly it's not a driver for enough people. A lot of people, but not everyone to upgrade all, all the right. time. All right. I think you can maybe every few years, you know, like people might want to get it for like the 3 or 4 sensors that they're missing. But And maybe because the battery
1: lasts longer. Yeah. Yep. And
0: they're always on display. See, they're always on display. I think a lot of people don't realize how good it is until they've used it, right? Like you True. don't you know, unless it's something that you're particularly after, maybe you don't Notice it? I don't know, but I just thought that these statistics were interesting, especially because I would have assumed underscores app users would skew more towards I upgrade my watch more frequently.
1: Well, he's a he's a global developer now. Yeah, but Watchsmith
0: is. Is, sh- is surely more is much more niche still. You know, well, sure,
1: but also I think I don't know. It's it's it's. I was not expecting this, so this was fascinating for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also a very good point. Like, what kinds of people are using WatchSmith? Um, hm. man, look at that series. Hmm.
0: This is the SE numbers, which was still, just very interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I don't. I really don't think it has uh, a huge. Mu- what they'll probably do is, they'll, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, whatever is the series three goes away. And the SE is just then the base cheap model going forward. But we'll see. Today's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Do you have a website? Does your website have shopping cart or registration form? Maybe a contact us page? This is all stuff that you want available for people coming to your website. If you answered yes, I do have one of these pages on my site, you need Pingdom because nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. This could mean a bad experience for your users. It could also mean lost business for you. The good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom and they will alert you when cart checkout forms or login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment that anything goes wrong in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity to make sure the person who can fix it is told first. Pingdom cares about your users having the very best site experience possible. So if disaster strikes, you're going to be the first to know. It's so easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM and you can sign up for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you do sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout and you will get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. It happened. Spotify. Hi-Fi for Fi. I don't mm. like the name though I've said it Spot. out loud. Spotify, hi fi. Spotify Spotify. Spotify. That's yes. They should have done that. Spotify. Uh it doesn't the name out loud doesn't work for me, but written down, it's perfectly fine.
1: This is what is it, high
0: quality? Is that
1: what they're calling? CD it? quality as mm. they call it. Okay. Um, CD quality lossless uh, streaming. Uh, coming later this year at some point. In selected markets, as they always say. Uh-oh. Um, oh, do you have an American <laughs> account? I do, I yeah, do. Okay, so at them. the very least, I think I will be able to upgrade to that. Uh, this is in reference to the lyrics feature, which is also coming at some point later this year in selected markets. Uh, but yes, they announced this um, with Billie Eilish, of all artists, by the Apple's way. Apple's favorite? Video. Um yeah, which is, John mentioned this in, in the linked uh, post on Mac, so it's a, quite a quite a nice coincidence that um, they used uh, Billie Eilish to announce this feature. It's coming in a few months, and uh, there are basically no details, uh, no technical details at the moment uh, about Spotify Hi-Fi. They mentioned CD quality. Um, I assume this is going to be, so I'm all I'm basing all of this on specul personal speculation at mm-hmm. this point. I assume that this is going to be um this is going to be different from uh, things like Tidal Masters for example. It's going to be more similar to what Amazon is doing with Amazon Music HD. So we can expect I would say by mentioning CD quality, I guess Spotify is going to do 16 bit uh, pretty standard um 40, uh, 44.1 kilohertz kind of uh, encoding um, instead of uh, what they're doing now, which is MP3, uh, 320 kilobits per second um, streaming. Literally, just gonna, they're just going to do CD quality. I don't even think they're going to do 24-bit um, high-resolution audio which Amazon Music HD does for some recordings, I think they're going to stick to CD quality based on what they're saying. Uh, And it's going to be different from Tidal Masters. It's going to be different from what Tidal is doing with MQA, which is another encoding technique. Um, And obviously, I want to see what they're going to do in terms of pricing, because as we talked a few weeks ago, Amazon entered the space of High uh, lossless music streaming a few months ago and they undercut the competition on all fronts, basically. And they are very competitive. And the Amazon Music HD app, it's pretty terrible on desktop. It's okay on mobile, I think. Um, What's interesting here... Besides the the sort of going against Amazon and what they're going to do for pricing, I think it's the implication behind Spotify getting getting into the lossless music streaming space and what it means for the ecosystem of Spotify Connect-enabled speakers made by third-party manufacturers. So Spotify Connect is this technology that allows you to instantly connect your Spotify account to any device that wants to uh, support Spotify. Spotify uh, Connect works on the Amazon Echo, it works on PlayStation, on Xbox, and it works on a collection of speakers made by all kinds of companies. Uh, And it's, it's different from AirPlay because it talks directly to your Spotify account, which means you can control those speakers from an iPhone, from an iPad, from your Mac. It's not like device-to-speaker sort of streaming like AirPlay does, it works over the internet. It's kind of more um, like Chromecast. Or it's kind of like right? that. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So I think it will be interesting to see because there's a there's so many companies making high-end gear, uh, high-end speakers with Spotify Connect integration. And I think having a hi-fi tier is going to be a pretty compelling offer. Uh, you know, if you're that kind of user, And if you have those kinds of speakers, you're probably going to want to upgrade your Spotify account to the Hi-Fi tier. What's also interesting here is um, the fact that at this point, everybody has or will soon have some kind of Hi-Fi tier for their music streaming service, except the very company making high-end prosumer products, which is Apple. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's, kind of, it's very fascinating that Apple, you know, the, the company that makes the HomePod and AirPods Max and has Apple Music and has a pretty perfect use case for a bundle of this kind of more expensive tier, they're not doing it.
0: But like Whether it was in their plans or not, now that Spotify's done this, they kind of have to now, right?
1: Well... I think so. Like, we were having this conversation months ago, and we were already saying they have to. Like, why are you not doing this? You have Apple One, you have Apple One Premiere, which is the more expensive one, and you have a HomePod and these really expensive and really good-sounding headphones. Why are you not taking advantage of this? But at this point, you know, when Spotify does it, I think it lights a fire under Apple. And I think they're going to do it at this point.
0: Well, because Apple do have to, I believe, they do have to match Spotify feature for feature Mm -mm. if they want to remain competitive against them. And you may say, this isn't important to me, and that's fine, but you don't want to look like you're falling behind.
1: Right, right. And it's very surprising to me the idea that Apple would leave that money on the table, even if it's a niche kind of offering, Mm -hmm. even if, and look, every time we talked about this stuff, we always get the tweets from people saying, this is all snake oil, you cannot hear high resolution audio, you cannot hear the difference. Okay, that's your opinion. We're talking about like, in the broader context of companies there is a
0: difference between like mp3 to cd though like that that is you know we, you can argue maybe past there like some people wouldn't hear it and it gets to a
1: certain point and there is smaller i think you can tell like if you care about music and you have good equipment you can tell the difference between an, an mp3 and a cd mm-hmm. some people were We'll even argue against that, but that's beyond the scope of this argument. Here we're just discussing the fact that multiple companies have, at this point, different tiers of their music streaming services and Apple, which you would typically associate with the idea of having premium services and making premium hardware for arguably their most important service, they do not. And I think it's very surprising at this point.
0: It's like if the Apple TV wasn't 4K.
1: Right. Well, yes. That is a very good analogy. Yes. Or Imagine like, that.
0: Or, well, actually, maybe a better analogy is the Apple TV box is 4K, but Apple TV's content is 1080p. <laughs> right? So, like, For All Mankind, it's a 1080p show that you can right. watch. You can't get it higher quality than that.
1: Yeah. So I think it would make sense to offer this in, in Apple One Premiere, the, yeah. the, the more expensive bundle that they have. Uh, and I would imagine like that would fit in nicely um, with, with that kind of uh, more expensive bundle. It would be nice because you would be able to have um, lossless streaming shared with the family. It would work really well with the HomePod, with AirPods Max. Uh, you know I could imagine i I can't imagine this tier existing, but then again, why haven't they done it before, and will they do it now just because Spotify has it? I think they have to, but we were wrong before on this
0: yeah, but I could imagine them thinking that maybe the consumer appetite wasn't there, or at least like maybe they've been working on it, but it's not been a high priority mm. for that reason um but now their main competitor has done it I wouldn't be surprised if it lit a fire under them and and the idea of making it I think actually exclusive to Apple One Premiere is interesting uh, as an idea I think there is something to be said for adding features like that to the Apple One bundles uh, as a way to encourage the bundles, mm-hmm. like sweeten the bundles a little bit more Uh, Like, you get some extra stuff rather than it just being, like, you get all of the things slightly cheaper. Um, Actually being like, oh, and you also get access to these additional things. Mm. I I think that would be a good idea, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But at this point, it aligns with every incentive Apple has as a company to do this. Because you could charge more money, which is services, and you care about that. It aligns with your high-end audio equipment. Right. and you now need to do it to remain competitive with your number one competitor who are un- un- unusually for apple at least modern day something that apple cares about a lot and they are they have a smaller market in right, right. which is spotify spotify is much much larger than apple music worldwide at least um yep. so yeah it's it's intriguing i think that they should do it um I don't know when, but I would be be surprised if we uh, went out this whole year about them doing it. Did you make it an annual pick? I don't remember. Did I?
1: Let's look at the bottom
0: of our document. I'm I'm taking a look here now. It's not in your actual picks, Picks. uh, No, you didn't. uh, You didn't make it a pick.
1: See, this is what happens when I don't trust my instincts. Passion. Where's the passion? Where's the passion? I don't know. I I let myself down here. Wow.
0: Last night, you tweeted an app idea that I want to read. I just thought it was intriguing. Mm. Here's a free, sustainable, I have no clue, idea for an app <laughs> I find myself increasingly wish existed. Choose friends from Twitter whose taste you trust. Only show me the tweets that they loved, which I assume you mean like, right? Like that, the, the, what we said. Yeah, like the, it's the like little the heart, heart yeah. icon. Yeah. Give me filters for articles, photos, and videos that they like. Literally nothing else. For context. Yes. Over time, I've noticed I have a regular group of 10 to 15 people that I follow on Twitter who always like interesting articles, videos, threads, or photos. And instead of opening each profile manually, I just want to see a unified timeline for those liked tweets.
1: Yes. Okay. So the the subsequent tweet explains exactly what I do. Um, I'm trying to spend less time just scrolling my Twitter timeline during the day and what I've noticed about myself doing lately, two things. One, I use the algorithmic timeline at the end of the day, like in the evening, if I want to spend like 15 minutes to see what I missed, I switch to that timeline and I get the highlight mm-hmm. from the day. The second thing I do is I have this group of like close friends and this is different from a list. Pay attention. I don't want to see their timelines. I just want to see the tweets they liked. You don't so want to see
0: what they have to say. You want no, see what they I just
1: want to see the things they liked yeah. because usually I always find a lot of good stuff in there that they don't necessarily reshare, but they hit the like button on.
0: Mm. Right? See, I would, I would, say I would like to. Do not see yet. I would like to believe that I'm on this list because you like my tastes. However, it's you
1: it's you uh steven oh, steve okay. chanton smith jason um uh, our friend mohammed tahir um bunch of writers from polygon for example like it's th- that group of people that i know they are very active on twitter mm. and they always save interesting stuff because uh, i was going to say
0: is- i am a i consider myself a serial liker i i, yeah. I like i know way too much stuff uh, I don't know if that means that I'm good or bad for this list. I would assume that meant I'm bad. So I I appreciate that you you at least say that I'm on it.
1: Yeah, in your mind. And th- the thing is, this is different from uh, because obviously when you tweet something, uh, something that I've noticed lately. I guess lately means the latest, the last ten. No, not maybe not ten. The last two years. Um, whenever you tweet something, even the thing that you think well. I cannot be possibly criticized for this tweet. There's literally nothing you can you you can point and criticize. But no, if even that's what in this you think, case, Federico, you are not trying hard even, enough. <laughs> even, even for the safest politically correct tweet, there's still gonna be something that people criticize you yeah. for. And in this case, a bunch of people told me, oh, so you wanna have a bubble for your bubble. Okay. Sure. <laughs> whatever just <laughs> say I just want to see what my friend liked but no that's not okay how Still, dare you how dare you to see You're what your echo chamber like. Federico Jeez. yes that that was also something that was uh, yeah of course said um what's funny about this is that a few years ago Jason Kotke launched exactly this service that I forgot about it was called Stellar.io mm-hmm. and it was a web service that aggregated um likes from a bunch of different social networks, including Twitter and Flickr, which obviously you know used to be a thing. Um, I have a vague memory of Stellar. I know that a lot of people were really into it and obviously it was shut down a few years ago. I, I saw believe...
0: Because it's now the
1: five-star influencer marketing platform. Yes, now it's the domain... I, <laughs> I, I hope that Jason sold it for really yeah. a really nice amount of money to those people. Um, but yeah, I believe it was shut down because of, uh, obviously, the Twitter API. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, yes, I just want to have an, an, like a, a system to an, an app, whatever, a place where I can go in, and there is a timeline. However, the timeline is not the tweets or the retweets, but just the things they liked. Um, the, it seems, obviously, uh, I got a bunch of really interesting replies to this. Obviously, once again, the problem is the Twitter API. Mm -hmm. Uh, It appears that, and I included the uh, response by uh, Nathan uh, Lawrence, I believe. Yes, Uh, they're one of the developers of Nighthawk, which is a very unique Twitter client. And according to the API uh, information that that Nathan shared, um, you can only get the 20 most recent um, tweets. but they seem to be limited to, um, there seems to be like whether you're a, the type of developer that you are for the Twitter platform, you can get either 20 or 75, but you're still uh, limited to throttle that request every 15 minutes. So there's obviously limitations in the Twitter API. You cannot get, say, hundreds of likes every two minutes. I don't think that would be strictly necessary for the kind of application that I would like to use yeah. but still, that's worth keeping in mind um, so I started to look around uh, ideally somebody will take this free idea and do something with it uh, and I will give you my money if you do so uh, because it's literally the app, the app that I want to use at the end of the day, every day but I'm looking, I've been looking at, at potential alternatives right now. So, a bunch of things were recommended to me. Uh, one of them is called OneFeed, which is this uh, web app to sort of create a very lightweight RSS client. However, what well, sets it apart is that you can paste in like, links to YouTube channels, to blogs, obviously, but also to Twitter profiles, and it gives you the latest updates from those places, but it doesn't support Twitter likes. So it's, it's different from that. Um, right now, I'm hoping that the developers who are, by the way, Italian, so that makes me always happy, of this service called Mailbrew will be able to do what I asked. So Mailbrew is a really um, fascinating web service that I should have tried years ago, and I always forgot. And now I did try it, and I think I really like it. The idea is that it's an aggregator for newsletters and uh, social updates and RSS feeds. And at the end of the day, you get a single newsletter containing links to all of that stuff. It's like a daily digest, basically. So you create an account and you say, hey, I want to subscribe mm-hmm. to these newsletters and I want to get updates from these YouTube channels and these Twitter profiles. Send me a single thing at the end of the day. Or And you can specify the time. It's very nice. The UI is really well done. And I'll tell you, Mike, the thing you uh, I think you, you're going to appreciate, it's a very good PWA <laughs> on iOS. Oh, you know, I love it good.
0: <laughs> what is it? I <laughs> <laughs> can always forget it's like... Programs of Attitude, that's it. It's again, yes. <laughs> Program of Attitude. <laughs> I, I know you
1: love it. <laughs>
0: Why don't they make an app? But it's though?
1: really well done. This feels they like should, an app. I, 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 wanna bo- I hope they, that they make it a native uh, thing. Um, uh-huh. So today they launched um, Top Links from Twitter, which is basically what Nuzzle, remember Nazzle Yeah, I remember uh, Nuzzle. Used yeah. to do. So in, in your daily digest, it gives you your most shared links from your Twitter timeline. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, they told me they're going to look into uh, likes, Twitter likes. Mm-hmm. So maybe this could be a solution. Like at the end of the day, I get a digest and it contains uh, likes from, from, my, uh, from select accounts that I follow on Twitter. However, a few minutes ago, as we were preparing for the show, listener and reader Ben told me that this is possible in Fitbin. Wait, it appears that you can subscribe to anyone's likes on, via Twitter on Fitbin. Um, so I was not aware of this. This is now really fascinating to me because I am a Fitbin user. I am a Fitbin mm. subscriber. And uh, Ben shared a screenshot. Let me see if I can, uh, if I can paste this link in the Discord. It appears that there's an actual setting that allows you to do this, and uh, you can subscribe to anyone's like just by appending slash likes to their Twitter profile URL. So I'm going to consider this. However, at the same time, Mailbrew is also, like, as a concept, very fascinating to me. Uh, I am now trying it for, I believe, the, the first uh, couple newsletters that you get are free. Um, and what I did is I took all the newsletters that I'm subscribed to, like the Pitchfork one, the the one from The Verge. I put them into the uh, Mailbrew account. I did a bunch of Twitter accounts, a couple of RSS feeds, and I received my digest at 7pm just before doing the show, and it's very nice. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I will be able to do this with Fitbin. Maybe I will be able to do this via Mailbrew if the developer, uh, developers add support for Twitter likes. Maybe somebody will make a native application for this. But uh, I was not, uh, as always, I was literally in my pajamas in bed and I thought, hey, you know, this is a fun idea for a tweet. And, <laughs> and I was not expecting that kind of response. <laughs>
0: Story of your life
1: there. Yes, yes. In times, the best tweets are always issued uh, in those conditions. Yes. This
0: episode of Connected is brought to you by Bombus. Bombus makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They've rethought every single detail of the socks that we wear to make them more comfortable. These socks do more than keep you cozy. They help give back to vulnerable members of communities, because for every pair of socks that you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Thanks to the generosity of Bombas customers, they have donated over 40 million pairs of socks in counting through their nationwide network of more than 3,000 giving partners. This is an impact that is more powerful than ever, to so those experiencing homelessness, it can represent the dignity of putting on some clean clothes, which is a small comfort that is important. I love my bomber socks. Uh, I'm a big, big fan. I love their ankle socks. I've said it a million times and I'll say it again. The most comfortable ankle socks that I've ever worn. They stay up. They've got padding in just all the right places. Uh, You know, I've in the past had always needed to wear multiple pairs of ankle socks when I was like wearing shorts or whatever. But with the Bombas socks, just one pair, super fantastic. I love them. But also, their regular socks are all really comfortable too. And they have lots of really wonderful patterns and styles. They do limited edition ones too, which I really like. It's super great. You should go and check it out. Keep your eye on it, it's fantastic. And you can give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at slash connected. That's B O M B A S dot slash connected for 20% of your first purchase. One last time, bombus.com slash connected. Our thanks to Bombus for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, hey, we're going to talk about hey. Hey. Uh, we're, hey. Stephen's not here. Let's talk about email. Um, mm. There's two things I wanted to talk about with hey today. And the first one okay. is kind of not really about email at all. Um, so Jason Freed, one of the co-founders, posted on Twitter like a link to uh, an article called Hey World and it is a blog post that was created by Hey by emailing Mm. something, right? Mm. So he within the Hey app sent an email to an email address which then took the text and created a blog post out
1: of it. Basically um, publishing a blog uh, over email Mm -hmm. uh, using the text editor Built into the Hey app, uh, including formatting and media attachments, because there's also an image in this uh, in this blog post, and it was sent to a specific uh, email address. Uh, uh, the subject becomes the title of the blog post, and the blog post lives at a world.hey.com webpage that includes support for subscribing via RSS or obviously uh, via email as a newsletter <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, and Jason, obviously, and uh, and Jason said we don't know what we're gonna do with this right now. It's just an experiment that we're testing. Um, Jason is doing it. uh, What's the name of the other Hey co-founder? David Um, Hanami. David. Yes, Uh, they each have their own Hey World uh, pages. And I just think this is very oh there's a bunch of there's a bunch of posts in here on the on the homepage. I just thought it was a single blog post. Jason published more stuff after that. Um, cool. So this recently reminded me of a service that <laughs> used to exist years ago. Uh, years ago, called Posterous. Remember Posterous? Uh, when
0: Mike? I saw this in the show notes, I felt like a wave of nostalgia hit me in the face. <laughs> yeah, I remember Posterous. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, Uh, so this was a service that existed in 2010, 2011. It was later, obviously, as many, many good things that we used to use back in the day. It was acquired and then shut down by, guess what? Twitter, that obviously did nothing with it. Oh my God, (laughs) nothing. Really? (laughs) Yes. Why did they do that? (laughs) Twitter, years ago, Years ago, in 2013, acquired a service that potentially could have solved the problems of tweet storms, for example, that potentially could have solved uh, or could have been like the original version of things like Substack, which is now so, po- so popular as a newsletter, newsletter uh, platform. Mm-hmm. It could have been all of that and nothing ever came of it it was posterous was kind of like tumblr right right
0: am i remembering that right right
1: well uh, you could email you could email a blog post into your posterous account and it would be published on this very lightweight very simple kind of like a tumblr blog um, um web page and you could send like from mobile devices you could send obviously an email, uh, but also the email could, uh, could include attachments, so photos, uh, mp3s, uh, video, and it was a very simple, sort of a frictionless way to have a blog without having to publish via like a text editor, via an API, just you could email your thoughts, and it was a very simple way to, to, to publish something on the web, uh, including attachments with other complications typically involved with a blogging, with the CMS, really. Mm. Uh, and it was like a lot of people were really into Posterous back then. Uh, you remember, those were the days of South by Southwest when it was a big deal, sort of uh, being the hot new startup in that space. And then, yeah, Twitter acquired uh, Posterous and, and they did nothing with it. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was an iPhone app, to email photos into your Posterous page. Yep. Pick Posterous. Pick Posterous. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I think it's as you know. A few minutes ago, we mentioned this is literally how history works. It always repeats itself with familiar patterns presented in new ways. And in a way, this is what the folks at Hay are testing now.
0: If history truly repeats itself, Twitter's going to buy Hay.
1: Well, let's hope that that. This is only true to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's fascinating that we're now circling back to that idea. Having a blog is still too difficult, which I will not argue with that, because I think there's some truth to that. I think there's the barrier to having your own domain and your own space, and, you know, CMSs are still too difficult to explain. And uh, yes, so I don't fully disagree with that. But what if it could be easier? And What if you could just send an email, which is something that basically everybody can relate to? What if, what if it was as simple as that? You write the email as if it was a blog post and you can include attachments, you can include photos and you, send, you put in a little subject field and then it becomes a blog post and you have a link that you can share with your friends, you can share on social media. I think it's a beautiful idea and I really hope that it becomes part of the um, personal, hey, uh, subscription plan. I would love to have this kind of feature as a as a, just even as a simple way to publish something that doesn't fit in a tweet, mm. but is obviously not a post for Mac stories in my case. Some personal news. Yeah, just some, yes, exactly. Some or like personal uh, news. some personal news. I I have now quit my job, <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> and I'm now a professional. News. Hey I forgot how world to use email. blogger.
0: Yes, I do see stuff like this. Um. I will be honest. My initial thought is, "Hey, focus!" Right? Mm. Like, I see something like that, and it's kind of like, "Okay, new email service. You've probably got a bit of work to do. Uh, why don't we focus on the email service and not the blogging platform that you now want to build?"
1: Because it's the Evernote syndrome. You
0: can't just do this. You're gonna have to give people tools to go in and edit it in case there's spelling errors. Right? Like, gotta you know keep the focus come on you can do it i i don't know man Uh, fun yes definitely fun little feature um i'm sure people would love it but i i do kind of that my that's my initial feeling when i when i saw it to be honest it was kind of like okay Mm -hmm. make your email app
1: please i also don't disagree with that but maybe i'm cynical well it it helps to be cynical these days so i i like, I think it's cool. I also don't disagree with you, uh, especially because, hey, is such a young service with a long way to go in terms of addressing, as we're going to talk about shortly, features that uh, compete in email services, especially for professional users, they already offer. So I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. I also think you have a point. So I'm not really siding with anybody, but I just think as an idea, in isolation, the idea is the right one. Because lowering the barrier to entry for publishing thoughts online, I welcome all solutions when it comes to that. Yeah. But then strictly speaking about, hey, yes, maybe they they should focus more on the... But they did say this is like a thing that we built and we're not sure if we're going to do anything here. Don't tell so. anyone.
0: <laughs> you don't have to tell anyone, right? It's just your little fun thing that you've got. It's just for you. But it's kind of like, this isn't your problem to solve? Hmm. Email service? Like, the mm-hmm. the idea of making it more simple to post online? Like this isn't you don't have to solve this problem and and you do open you know every time you do something like this as a paid service especially a new one you open yourself up to people being more frustrated at you because if there are things that you're still working on that your paying customers want you to do for the service that you're paying them for and then you're like lol but we just made a blogging platform it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> Can you get yeah. around to this feature that I need, please? You know? I, I'm not saying not to do it, but I'm just I, I don't know how I feel about it. It just seems a little peculiar to me. Yeah. So what are these features that you as a hey user uh mm. are, are frustrated about?
1: Well, uh, over the past few months, uh it came a time when we had to convince um Silvia that she also needed to use uh because of the things she does in Mac stories, that she also needed to use, hey, right, and uh, she tends to be rightfully so very picky uh, with the services and the apps that she has to use for work.
0: Well, because as well, she doesn't have, I assume, the natural curiosity about new apps no. and services that you do. So, no. so no. she she gets none of that benefit out of it, and can only gets the downsides. <laughs>
1: She hates, and, and hate doesn't quite describe it. She actually deeply despises the idea of trying new stuff. She just wants to use one app and stick with it effectively forever. um, Which is funny considering what I do for a living, but hey, that's a different uh, thing. And having seen how she's complaining about, hey, I have identified, I think, at least two core issues that maybe eventually Hay will have to figure out. The lack of folders is one of them. She really doesn't... And I think this is one of the things that you also wanted to talk about, uh, Mike. The fact that the way that the inbox works, the fact that you cannot archive... The fact that you cannot move a message from the inbox to another folder mm. and just leave it there—that's one of that's one of our issues. Um, just, yeah, you can tag, you can label, you can add it to collections, but she just want to take she just wants to take one message and put it in a different folder mm. for you know however you want to call it. The second issue is she misses a lot the more advanced filtering system from Gmail. And especially the fact that you can create a complex search query uh, for things like if a message contains these words in the subject field and if it comes from this particular sender, then label the message as such and such or delete it or archive it, whatever. And uh, you can, again, you can label in Hey, but you cannot create those kinds of more advanced filters yet. You cannot say, if it comes from this address, and, so you can, you know, combine multiple conditions. And if it contains these words in the subject field, then do something. And she used to do that a lot Mm. uh, in Gmail, uh, especially for like receipts, for Mm -hmm. particular, uh, you know, emails related to the business. So. I don't. I I think eventually, especially on the second one, on the filtering, I can see Hey doing this, and I think they should focus on this, especially for their uh, Hey for work professional accounts. But personally, this is not a big deal for me. That the overall flow of Hey works for me as Federico, but I know that both John and Silvia, they have a different kind of email volume to deal with and they have different kinds of emails to deal with. Per Like, me, I just get, like, mostly emails from developers, like actual people. Like, I don't get receipts, I don't get invoices, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, And I understand where they're coming from.
0: Okay, so you do get... There is a labeling system. I wasn't even sure if there was a labeling system. There is one. Hey. There is one. Okay. Which is cool, but... As you say, automatic assigning of labels is a a powerful feature, really, you know? Mm -mm. Especially considering the fact that, hey, their whole thing is like trying to be smart about the email that's coming in, right? Yeah. Hmm. I signed up for Hey! today. Interesting. So, I... I put this in the the, the show notes because I was just wondering how it was going, and it seems like for you it's going fine. And the issues in in the Vitici household, of Sylvia's not yours. Uh, so I assume that you you seem very happy with Hay, right? No issue. I
1: am. She's not. Yeah. I'm still trying to.
0: You got some work to do on the, the situation. I have some work, a there.
1: lot of work to do. A lot of work to do.
0: I because I received the hay for work email and i wanted to try it and uh like i've got an invite but then realized today it took me so long to set it up anyone can just sign up now <laughs> it's like i went to sign up was like all right where to put my code and i never needed to do that so right. I, I think it's open to everybody now Be- and so here's the thing for me my th- i was always assuming that i would probably try hang hey, out under the terms that i've done it which is there is an email address that i use which is a legitimate email address that I want to use more and I purposefully want to keep it outside of Spark. And this is the Cortex Brand email address. So uh, business at cortexbrand.com is the email address. Um, I've spoken about it publicly in the past. People can send in suggestions there for like if they have products that they think could be cool for us or whatever. Uh, But also it's going to be like as time goes on, a public-facing email address uh, that I manage. Um, People are already asking if I'm making Gray use Hay. No, I manage that email account. If he ever wants to and I stick with Hay, then he's going to have to get a Hay account too. And I also thought, like, I could, with Hay's thing, I could easily set up, like, mike at cortexbrand.com because they have that thingamajig, whatever they call it, the aliases or whatever. So I thought, I was keeping this, it was in Gmail, and I was keeping it in um, Outlook, right? Because I didn't want this, I wanted this to be an email account that I would just go to when I wanted to see that people had to say, but in case there was a large volume of email, Hmm. which isn't now, but when I was originally talking about it, there was quite way more email coming in than I would have wanted to be in my regular email inbox. So I thought, well, this seems like a perfect use case for me to try it out and also there hasn't been a lot of volume to that email account recently so i would be fine with making the change in case i have any downtime uh and also i've dealt with pretty much all of the email that i want uh i don't and i don't really need that um backlog because anything that i wanted to pursue in there i've taken out and stored in uh craft anyway um it's just like here's some ideas and that kind of stuff. But I exported the email but because the I still want that Google uh apps address, I still have the Gmail there, right? Like I'm not gonna get rid of my Google Apps account, also because I'm not convinced that I'm gonna stick with hey. But I set it all up today. The sign up process was pretty easy. DNS records are a terrible system for anything, and I can't believe it still exists and we're still doing this. <laughs> right.
1: MX records,
0: especially for email. Just fun. all of it. I can't believe we're still <laughs> doing it. Right. Like, there should be some no, that- kind of API that all of these applications and domain registrars could talk to each other th- from. And mm. they are a sponsor of the show. So, but like, but Hover do have a thing called Hover Connect, where with some services that they work with, you can just press a button, it takes you to one, takes you back to the other, and it's done. Which I just think is like, that's how this stuff should work. Right. Right. Like like a kind of OAuth like system, like you know, like I'm deleting things and it's like, oh, it could take up for an hour. I mean, maybe it's maybe you did it right. Maybe you broke it. We'll find out in an hour. And it's like this is horrific as a system. Uh, But I set it up. It took a while for a little while. Weirdly, email was appearing in both places. I don't know how. Uh, that was the case. But like I was sending some test emails to myself and I was getting them both in Hay and Gmail, even though I'd already removed Gmail from all of the MX records. Mm. Um, and then eventually that stopped happening. Uh, I didn't set up a forward or anything. It didn't really feel like it was necessary. So I've only really tinkered around in Hay today. And this is going to be a long term process for me because I want to see how it goes over a long period of time. I don't get a lot of email to this email address. And it's probably something I will do more. I will, start send, I will start sending from that email address as well. But I can't really put it through its paces until I receive a lot, right? Because that's the whole thing. Right. But there was a few things that I did. So you kind of asked one, that there's no archive function. And I think that that's bananas. Yeah. And then I have to constantly yeah. see the recently seen email. I don't want to see yes. it. I want it gone.
1: See, that, you're like Sylvia, yes. Why do I need uh, it there? I've dealt with it. Why do you keep showing it to me? Well, the idea is that they, they, they want to remove the burden of archiving messages.
0: Right, but then I have the burden of always seeing the email, <laughs> right? Sometimes I reply to things and I'm annoyed by the reply that I send. So I reply, I archive the message, so I have to think about it. So I come back to my email three hours later, I'm not reminded about how annoyed I was about that email. But if I do that with "hey," it's always there in my face. I don't know why, like, the feed and the paper trail, they're sequestered into their own areas, but recently seen has to be at the bottom of the inbox. It should be its own view, very valid, or or collapsible even. I don't know why... Collapsible could work. It's like, it's my inbox, and my inbox is empty but also full all the time.
1: Yeah, it's the Schrodinger's inbox.
0: It is, and I don't know why. I don't understand (laughs) it. Um,
1: What are notifications like? Do you use them at all? you yes i do uh you can set notifications on a per contact per contact basis yeah so and also i noticed um,
0: that they're off by default which i thought was interesting and i liked yeah. that they said and, and i would need to test you could turn off notifications for an entire domain
1: and i just thought that was very clever yeah and you can also mute threads uh you can turn off domains and you can enable them for contacts right um which is what I do. I, I only turn them on for specific contacts or specific threads, um, but mostly contacts. So I just go into the contact page, and from there you can choose where to auto-file messages from that contact and to enable notifications or not. Mm. I have another question for you.
0: How do I know when there's a new email in either the feed or the paper trail?
1: You do not. Unless you enable notifications for those addresses.
0: Right. And so you see, this is an issue for me. So let me explain to you why I think this is a problem, uh-huh. right?
1: Well, or oh, you could use the widget.
0: You could use the widget. I could use did. the widget. So it shows you yeah. in the widget, but not inside of the app?
1: Well, it doesn't. Sh- well, uh, no, it, there's no badges or anything like that. You just got to open the menu and switch to those pages.
0: So every time I check, hey, I have to check three places if I want to see how much right. email I've got.
1: And I don't know
0: how that's supposed to help me. Right. So like you you would the the automatic filing of stuff is meant to keep you focused on your email. Right. That's the idea. Makes perfect sense. But for me to check how much email I ever have, I have to check everywhere, potentially four places if I've got a screener.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, I don't know, because this is this is the type of person that they're. I mean, maybe they're not building for me where I am the type of person that wants to know. And so, like, for example, I have, uh, I, I use SaneBox, right? And I have SaneLater and SaneNews, which are basically the feed and paper trail, right? It's like, that's basically, kind of what yes. they're doing. But in my email clients, they badge them. Now, I can see those badges and choose to go in if I want to, because I can see that there's new email there. But with Hay, I would have to be going there Every single time to check if there's a new email there, and most of the time there wouldn't be, but I still want to know what's in there. I guess you gotta use the widget, yeah, but I don't want to use the widget though. But right? Then you're out of luck. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? It's like I don't. I know. I yeah. definitely don't want my email app as a widget because I don't want to know how much email I've got when my email app is closed. Right. Because now we're like if because you see the the, the 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 failure in logic here for me is if you use the widget it's okay to know if you have email in the feed or the paper trail but if you're in the app it's not okay. So they think mm. it's okay sometimes to show you the numbers but not all the times. Yeah. yeah. Plus I hate that their app is just a web view on on the Mac. That
1: is also a concern. Yes.
0: Yeah. So. I know that right now, all I have is the frustration because I've not had the opportunity to really use the service, right? Like, I have not yet gotten to a stage where it's doing stuff to my email for me, which is clearly what's good about this, right? Like mm-hmm. that's why people like it, it's why you like it, it's why lots of people like it, because it can free up your email inbox for just the stuff you want to see. And so I have yeah. to give it some time. And I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not going to move away. I want to give this a long Good. time trial. Because also, it's not my most important email. So I'm, I'm fine with it for right now. right? Like I'll just leave it for a while and I'll see how it goes. But my first run experience has not been yeah. very positive. And I think it's purely because, for whatever reason... This system wasn't built for the type of email user I am, which is totally fine. Not everything has to be built for me, but I can still communicate what I think are some issues with the service.
1: Yeah. And you are you are an email power user who, who deals with a lot of email, much more than I do. and uh, And I totally understand these issues. And hopefully, like, as you start working with it, as you start receiving more emails, you will also appreciate the things that I appreciate. Like, for example, it's tax season right now in the US. And, Mm -hmm. like, John and I, we've really been taking advantage of things like collections to file messages and to keep a timeline of messages belonging to a particular topic. Uh, Obviously, leave a comment on messages, which is something that you do in Spark, for example. Uh, we, we use that a lot in, in Hay as well. Um, and per, personally speaking, for my own usage, just the separation between the inbox and the feed. Um, the paper trail, I, just, I don't really care about. I keep things like confirmation emails. I, I basically never check it. I mostly split between the inbox and the feed. And having also the reply later, um, area that i use a lot just i like the idea of having no stuff under the no new stuff under the new for you section so hopefully over, over time you will also appreciate these things and uh, otherwise you're just going to have to switch back to something else but i think give it a few months and see how it goes and hopefully like as 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 you do this hopefully the company w- w- will add some new functionality like this week for example they finally i would say they made it easier to switch between multiple accounts they have a proper account switcher yeah. ui that is pretty fast to use yeah. and they also have a unified view for all accounts so they are working to you know on catching up with the competition and hopefully you know search filters that kind of stuff is is next although i i really like your idea of collapsing the recently seen section And I would like to see folders. Just maybe let me create my own section, right? Uh, Just let me create my own reply later. Let me create... Basically, those are... If you think about it, those are folders. So let me create my own area. You can call it a folder. You can call it a section, whatever. But basically, a way to move a message from one place to another. We'll see. I hope that that they're not too stuck on the original idea. And mm. that they are, you know, willing to listen to to users. This is always the problem with opinionated software, if you will. Yeah. You know, the developer has some really deeply rooted ideas and it's hard to move them away from those. But I think you've got to find a balance eventually.
0: I don't know how normal or not I am, but I probably get about 50 to 60 emails a day. Ooh. <laughs> um, okay and you know a lot of that is is stuff that requires my attention a por- quite a portion of it is uh stuff that i would love to be automatically uh just obliterated um mm-hmm. but unfortunately a lot of that stuff is stuff that that as of yet like i can't get rid of until it's come in the first time which is like hey you should have this person as a guest uh on our show and i can get that i could put those in the same black hole thing that i use and then I never hear from that person again. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to get another five of those emails tomorrow from different people. Like, you know, I, it, my email is a constant game of whack-a-mole. But there is also the vast majority of email that I get does require my uh, attention. It's not like email newsletters. Like, I get those, but not a lot of them. Uh, I, I, I may, you know, I have the type of job where I deal with a lot of email so I'm always interested in things that can try and make that easier for me. Um, and so I want to give, give it a shot, in, you yeah. know, because I'm willing to let go of things that I want for something that is better overall, you know? Like I'm, yeah. I'm willing to let go of some of my particulars if I can get a better system, which is like how I felt with Spark. Like I was willing to let go of some things about how I like an email app to be designed because the service is so good. We'll see. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Baron Fig. You and I know how important, especially me, I'll say, how important pen and paper is to creativity. And so does Baron Fig. Baron Fig is a startup that launched back in 2013 with the Confidant Notebook. What originally started out as a small project between designer and CEO Joey Cofone and his friends quickly turned into something more. With nearly 10,000 Confidant notebooks sold in the first 30 days, Baron Fig's founders realized there was a lack of quality Thinker products on the market. Since then, Baron Fig has expanded their line of tools for Thinkers to include notebooks, writing instruments, bags, accessories, and so much more. Uh, I am very excited. Baron Fig has sent out a little care package to me um, of their Idea tool set, which is a grouping of three things that they do, which is they have a a case, a pen, uh, and a notebook. Um, the pen that they make is one of my very favorite things that they have ever made. It's called the Squire. And it's a really nice looking pen with a little a little twist action, just my favorite one. And it uses one of my very favorite uh, refills of any pen. And I really, really like it. Uh, the notebook, the confidant and the case they make is the Guardian. And you can put them all together and you can throw it in your bag. And it's all really nicely made um, so they can work very well together. Um, I have a blue slate Uh, One of their cases, a yellow gold Confidant notebook and rose quartz uh, Squire pen on the way, which is a very wonderful set of uh, colors, which I'm excited about. I'm going to be the most vibrant kid on the block with those three. Um, I look, I really believe in having great writing tools to help plan things out, flesh out ideas and that kind of stuff. Baron Fig makes these kind of products. Listeners of Connected can use the code CONNECTED20 and they'll get 20% off their very own idea tool set, which includes a confidant notebook, squire pen, and a guardian case. Baron Fig not only works towards championing thinkers around the world through inspiration and imagination, they're also dedicated to leaving the earth better than they found it. That's why for every confidant notebook sold, Baron Fig plants a tree, with tens of thousands of trees planted and counting. To get your tool set and plant a tree today, go to baronfig.com, and don't forget to use the Code Connected20, that's Connected20 at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your purchase of the idea tool set. Baron Fig, do your best thinking. Our thanks to Baron Fig for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, a couple of weeks ago, you asked me a question, which was, Are mm. there new apps anymore? Mm. And I put a pin in this because I figured we would want to talk about it at some point, and today is that time. So, I want to know where this feeling is coming from for you.
1: So I've been thinking about this, and, and I think it's a combination of, of different things that, that I believe and that I've noticed, especially over the past year or so. Um, the idea that, I, that more than before, I am frequently resisting the urge to try new stuff. And I've been thinking about it. And obviously, the first almost default answer was, Hey, that's what happens when you grow old. And I don't think that is it necessarily because uh, when I find something new, I get very excited still. I mean, look at, hey, look at Spotify. Like just in, in recent months, we've seen examples of me being excited and, mm-hmm. and, you know, happy to try new stuff, doing your thing. Doing my thing. The problem is, it's much harder for me to be surprised these days by new apps. And so I've been thinking about this. Why is that? And I've come up with a few points that I would like to to mention and discuss. Um, the first one, I think, is that over time, I've been doing you know Mac Stories for the past uh, 12 years at this point. And I have obviously developed my own tastes, my own needs, my own requirements. And especially when it comes to work-related apps, I, I think more than ever, I sort of demand some kind of maturity, some kind of a, a high degree of maturity and flexibility from the apps that I know I'm going to rely on, right? So I think my threshold for, for something new is higher than ever. And, and, it's, and it gets very challenging for developers to meet that, right? Especially with the 1.0 release. Um, which, again, when it happens, again, look at Craft for example. When it happens, um, I'm the happiest man on earth, right? <laughs> when, when I see the 1.0 that, that ticks all those boxes, I am blown away. But it's much, much harder. And it used to happen more frequently before. Now it's a very rare thing. The second issue I see lately on the app store, on places like what's it called the uh, the public thing for test flights airport app airport is that app airport yeah. I see a lot of uh, John calls them cookie cutter apps. They basically all look similar. I don't want to say the same, is but that they all Swift look. UI? I've been th- I've been thinking about this. I think SwiftUI. Maybe maybe that's the downside of something like SwiftUI. It democratized, you know, and it made it easier for a lot of people to get into app development.
0: Well, the second thing too. Maybe it's not just that. Something like App Airport exposes you to more applications mm. from first-time developers and smaller mm. developers than you would otherwise see.
1: Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. So I, and I try not to think about that too much, because I know that AirPort is not like the App Store. There's a lot of apps that always stay there, and they never come out publicly. Mm-hmm. And there's, look, there's, a lot, of, uh, there's, there's a, a, a lot of gems that I discovered on AirPort. One of them, uh, Denim. It's this really well-done utility that allows you to make custom um, cover uh, images for your Apple Music playlists. Uh this I and is I discovered pretty yeah, I, I discovered it on, on, on airport. It's now on the app store. So I'm not saying that all test flights are bad and they never turn into shipping products because experience proves otherwise. But a lot of them they are either similar or pretty much, you know, almost the same. And uh yeah, so there's that. The other problem, this is an obvious one. I get demoralized when, when, when I see a new application and, and, and I start, you know, keeping an eye on it. We have our own um, internal tool at MacStories It's called UpdateBot, which is a, a thing that keeps track of app releases on the App Store. And I get... I, it's, just, it's very sad when I see this new potentially promising utility and it obviously gets abandoned. After like two updates, it's like well, this could have been something, but it's been six months, and uh, and I don't see any updates. So I guess the developers done. So that you know, it yeah, it makes me sad. It's just yeah, you know, could have been could have been interesting. I guess they're not working on it anymore. Hmm. The other major turn off for me is apps that are again potentially interesting. And then you download them, and one of two things happen on first launch. Um, they want me to create an account.
0: <laughs> everything's a service now. That's
1: everything's a service. Create an account. Yeah. Just, just let me. Which I think it's actually against the App Store review guidelines. You should provide provide some kind of demo functionality without requesting. Wasn't that the exact
0: thing that got hey?
1: I, well, I think so.
0: But just, I think that over. was what they said. Was like, you just give us a login screen, and you know, like, well, you won't let anyone create an account for, 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 like, yeah. you, you know. And then it was. Remember, I had to create the demo version of the app.
1: Mm, yes. Yes. Right? Right? Yeah. Uh, Vidit makes a really good point in the Discord um, SF symbols have also made a lot of apps look similar to each other. Very good point. Because there's no custom iconography anymore. In a lot of apps, there's no custom iconography anymore. So that Mm. definitely contributes to that. Uh, So as I was saying, they either asked me to create an account, which like I, like I could understand for like a document collaboration service, sure, I need to create an account. Why do I need to create an account for a calculator or a note-taking app? Help me understand here. What am I exactly creating an account for? So that annoys me. The other thing is you download something and the first thing it shows you, hey, subscribe. There's a free trial, but first I'm going to throw a subscription screen in your face and you cannot demo the product. You cannot try it. First, give me your confirmation that you want to try this thing for free for two weeks, and then you get the chance to try the app, which you know, I hate to uh, mention names, but we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. These new apps by, what's it called? Andy Works. Andy Works, Uh, yeah. No no more boring apps. They Mm -hmm. they, uh, released a calculator, a weather app. The first thing you see is a subscription screen. Yeah. You can, like, and I thought the 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 dichotomy between hey, this is not a boring app. This is the most fun you've ever seen on the App Store in years. And but first, here's a subscription screen for you. <laughs> Otherwise, you cannot try the super fun thing we built. I thought that was a, a fascinating contrast contrast for a first run experience. Um, so, to sum up, the combination of all these problems, but mostly, I would say apps that look similar to each other, like, yeah, I've seen this before, and I've seen this before, and I've seen this before. That makes me bored. But also the fact that over time, I've been doing this long enough that I think I have a a very high threshold for being surprised. And lately it's happened, like I can count it on one hand, like the times that I've been like, Genuinely blown away by a new product. Uh, in mo- most recent memory, Craft, uh, uh, mm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Or Tayo, maybe the, ta- the new text editor. Like it's, it happens Wait, very. Oh, out- Tayo. We never talked about this. Oh, I mentioned it on App Stories. There's this new text editor, which is like the spiritual successor to editorial. It's called Tayo, T A I O. It stands for. Text all in one, which I know it's not the best acronym, <laughs> but uh it's an amazing and very see that's one of the very promising new uh, new apps that I'm keeping. An oh, eye I know on. what
0: this is now. I heard you talk about it. It combines I a text you editor.
1: Said tile. No, tile. 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 Yeah. T a i o text all in one. Um. But it happens very rarely, and I am very... Sometimes I see, like, for example, a few days ago, everybody tweeting about this new weather app, this new timer and calculator app, and I thought, yeah, well, that looks fun, but is it really doing anything different besides showing you numbers with a 3D effect? It's like, where's the innovation? All
0: right, so I... I brought this to your attention. I think the AndyWorks apps, because uh, I, I don't remember how I saw them, but I saw somebody retweet them, and it was like a, a couple of weeks ago or whatever. And I know this because I got the uh, the subscription thing today. I've I, let it. I've I've let them bill me because I'm intrigued, and this is like a collection of applications that are intending to be different. So they're made of a game engine. I'm not sure which one, Um, but that's one of the reasons why they look so incredibly different. I agree with you that one of the things that they do is the first thing when you either download any of the three apps that they make, one is a timer, one is weather, and one is calculator, is they try to have you subscribe, which I think is not the best thing to do um, I get it, right? Like, but I think maybe they should try and have something. So Vidit saying SceneKit and SwiftUI, right? So that the scene kit is an interesting way to build apps like this, right? Like SceneKit is a game engine. And I and I understand, right? Make your money, like I get it, but I think at least some kind of idea of what I was paying for would have been would have been helpful. But I I was approaching these as a like uh information research exercise, so I was willing to pay. What I will say is none of these applications have something to them where I feel like it's the app that I need to use for its purpose. But what I will say is I appreciate what they are trying to do. And the way that I take, by looking through their materials, this isn't the end result for what they're attempting here. This is like a beginning of a movement. And I think that the movement that they are attempting to get to is coming from what you are finding, right? Mm -hmm. That there is potentially could be argued that apps are becoming a bit boring sometimes now. Mm -mm. Mm. And so like, I think what, you know, whether... I don't know if they would say that what they've done here is like the perfect encapsulation of what they're attempting, but they're they're trying to, I think, bring back some of the more playfulness of, say, iOS 6 applications in a more modern aesthetic. And if that is what they have attempted to do, I think that they have succeeded greatly on that because these applications feel playful. They have sound to them and lots of really good tactics and animations. And so they're fun to just play with, but they feel modern. Most applications that I have tried that hearken for that old time feel old when I use them, right? Mm. Or it's that, what is that halfway point that I see a lot now? What is that called? You know what I'm talking about? Where like, no. it's that design style, which is, it looks like like a kind of SwiftUI type app, but is it Neomorphism?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, is it? Maybe.
0: I, I I don't remember the name, but that that really doesn't do it for me. Right. It's yeah. like it looks okay. like the the application elements are like popping out of a piece oh, of paper. Oh yeah,
1: Neomorphism. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, it just makes makes no sense.
0: That yeah. I don't that style I don't particularly like. And there is something that I find intriguing about the design of these applications. Um, And I'm not necessarily advocating for them, like, as great apps. But as a project for I want to do something a little bit different, uh, I like it. Now, again, I also, you know, I think that there is a, a spectrum of feeling on here. And I don't think I'm exactly in the same boat as you, but we come at things differently. Right, where I don't look for new apps as much as you do. But a couple of years ago, I did note that I've had this similar feeling. And Mm. this was during one of the State of the Apps episodes that we do for Cortex every year, where I felt like there wasn't really anything. And the conclusion that I came to for myself was I had gotten to the point where moving to something else felt like such a hassle for a lot of the tools and services that I used, that it had to be really good for me to want to do it. And that was something that I was noticing, but maybe it was more of a, of a me problem. But I do find interesting what you're saying about design, that, that maybe... So there was a time when design would be the reason. But I think mm. what's happened is the bar of design is raised, right? Because like, true. Just a standard Swift UI application looks so much better to me than any standard UI kit application did. So the bar of like, this is a baseline app, I think is a lot better now than it ever was. So I think it, it makes it harder to stand out. I don't know. Is there anything else on this? Like, what do you want Right. What do, you, what,
1: will, what do you want that right. will
0: make this better for you, do you think?
1: Well, I noticed that I now tend to gravitate toward really mature and, and flexible apps. And by flexible, I mean, look at things like Carrot Weather, for example, right?
0: Carrot Weather, I mean, we said this when it came out. That's a trend that, I, that we all want to see, right? Like really right. heavy customization, toolkits in applications.
1: Yes, heavy customization. Things like Good Task also is, is a really good example. You can make your own utility, uh, basically. Or the other end of the spectrum is no customization, but a lot of like a lot of care for a lot of details. Again, look at Craft or Timery. Like obviously, like even if you don't have customization, even if you don't have a toolkit for making your own UI, but a lot of att- a lot of uh, attention to things like multiplatform shortcuts integration, keyboard shortcuts, widgets. You know, implementing the latest APIs. And I I think what's really tricky is these days is coming up with a l- trying to match all of these aspect in a 1.0 for a new developer, I realize it's difficult because... But I think it, it happens in any market, right? Uh, and the App Store has existed for... We're going into our uh, 13th year of the App Store. And there's obviously developers who've been around since the beginning, like Peakalk, for example. Yep. And imagine being a new developer in 2021 who wants to make a calculator for pro users and you're like well i have 13 years of peacock to catch up with here <laughs> is it even possible and i i don't have a straight answer to that right it's it's obviously very challenging so either you try something different like Andy works, even though i dislike their implementation of the first run experience or maybe you just go for it and you try to take advantage of the things that Apple has, has simplified and made easier for you. Maybe like design. Maybe you try to differentiate on on you know having a universal app, having shortcuts integration, having Siri integration, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think personally speaking, um, I, I look at my home screen and I when I see stuff like Good Task, uh, Craft, Timery, um, what's the other? Uh, one? weather, Weather, mm-hmm. um, Music Harbor. Apollo, and I, and, I, and I look at these apps and I'm like, well, there's something in common in be- between all of these, which is the developers are always working on these apps, right? They're mm-hmm. constantly updating them. They're constantly taking advantage of new features. And most of them, uh, even Apollo, I would consider one of the m- most customizable apps I've tried on my devices. They prioritize that idea of, uh, the, the ecosystem is mature enough. Apps are mature enough. What's a good way to differentiate, to bring back the fun? Customization. You make it your own. And I think that's it. In 2021, especially considering what we witnessed in iOS yeah. 14, I think that's a pretty safe way to ensure that you can keep, you know, you can keep the, you can keep the passion from people like me, I think. Maybe customization
0: removes the concern of apps looking similar
1: on the... I absolutely agree with that. Mm. Yes. It's a good way to ensure that you can stay fresh and interesting, I think. Yeah. Because look, we all like to customize and those who say they don't, they just don't know it yet. That's, I f- firmly believe this. Yeah. Um, and what I, lastly, what I would say is something that would not rekindle because there's nothing to rekindle here. I still love testing and writing about apps. Um, but something that would help well, two things: um, more pro apps for iPad, but especially made by Apple, like I want to see Apple lead by example here. There are pro apps on iPad. I still think that Apple should come out and say, "Hey, here's logic, final cut, and um." xcode like the bare minimum they should do um and the second thing is i would i feel like it would be generally like a new beginning uh for me and for mac stories if there ever was gatekeeper on ios and ipad os if apple were ever to bring mm-hmm. proper site loading to iPhone and iPad so that you can it's install apps from other sources. Because I've also considered like the, the fact that I have this thought and that, I, and that I have this question for Mike. Are apps boring now? Are there any new apps anymore? Is it because after uh, 12 years of Mac Stories I'm now bumping into App Store limitations? Is that one of the potential issues? Maybe and I know that if folks like Panic um, for example, could could you know bring their apps without any restrictions to iPad and could charge to, could charge for them however they want, I know that that would do a lot in terms of, you know, hey, here's a, a whole new market of apps for you. I don't think it's ever going to
0: happen. <laughs> So, and a way that they could do is, people that feel like they might be pushing, have an idea that will push the boundaries, might say, "I'm not going to bother with this," mm. right? And and there's there's an app you potentially lost out on because they figure it won't get through app review. Mm. Yeah. But if there was side loading, then they might be more willing to give it a go. Because no yeah. one can stop them. Yeah. But yeah. you're not so, gonna get that.
2: <laughs> no, no, I don't think I don't think
0: it will. I don't You'd think it will. You'd have to hope for other stuff. I don't think you're gonna get that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So to sum up, it's not like I don't like apps anymore. It's that I it's become increasingly more difficult for me to be genuinely surprised by new apps mm. for all the reasons we mentioned here. Well, thank you for sharing. Sure. Felt like therapy.
0: Uh if you would like to find out more about this episode of Connected, you can use the web if you like, go to relay.fm slash connected slash three three four. We have one of links there, but of course they'll be in your podcast app of choice. Uh if you want to get longer episodes of Connected, more awesome content, japes, discoveries and more, go to getconnectedpro.co and you get the show of our ads as well. Anybody that has signed up, thank you so much. If you are going to sign up, also thank you so much. Uh, I would also like to take a moment to thank our sponsors of this week's episode. They're the fine people at Pingdom, Bombus, and Baron If you want to find Federico online, you can go to maxstories.net, and he is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am at iMike, I M Y K E, and Stephen, who will be back next week, is at ISMH. Uh, the episode of Liftoff that Stephen did uh, with Ron Moore from For All Mankind was super good. I recommend uh, trying that out. And hey, if you like this show, let me tell you about another show here at Relay FM. Uh, it's a show called Pictorial. So, look, we all love art in some way, right? But maybe we're tired of elitism keeping beautiful art stories out-of-reach and expensive classrooms, so are Quinn and Betty. They host a pictorial podcast all about art history. You can find Pictorial to listen more and learn yourself at relay.fm slash pictorial or search for Pictorial wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We'll be back next time. Oh, hold on, Mike. Oh, whoa.
1: Hold on. I have a question Ah. for you.
0: Hey, look at that. Yeah, I wasn't going to do it. Okay, go on. You have a question. Okay.
1: Would you rather be... Invincible, but not immoral? Like, you can be invincible, but you're still gonna leave this world someday? Or would you prefer to be very weak, like no physical strength whatsoever, but immortal? So, weak forever, or invincible for a short period of time?
0: Well, what defines short? Is that like a regular life expectancy? Yeah, invincible but regular life expectancy.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: I don't like the idea of being incredibly weak and living forever. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds
1: horrible. Plus, hey, I don't live think forever. you can do. You can try a lot of
0: stuff. I, I don't think anyone should live forever if they're going to be unique in that.
1: Oh. really? You have to I watch
0: you... everyone you love die.
1: But still, you can witness a lot of cool things and you can do everything you can possibly want to do, travel the world multiple, multiple times over and over. Right, but that means you
0: are eventually going to run out of things to do? No, you can
1: never run out of things to do. There's always new things to do.
0: No, I would prefer strength and uh, invincible regular life but regular life
1: expectancy. Yeah. Mm, okay. Thank you for that question. What would you sure. prefer? Ah. Uh, I'm. T- I don't see. I'm not as sure as you. Okay. Because the idea of living forever is o- is actually pretty compelling. I think we gotta define weakness. Like because I said incredibly weak. Yes, so like, you, you define it, Federico. Would you like it, to, Federico, be, you 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 like to be very frail?
0: And that was how I describe. Because what I thought you were gonna say was invincible, and uh, mortal, or immortal and invincible. I don't know <laughs> the opposite of invincible. <laughs> Fallible. That's what I thought you were going to say. And then it's like, oh, that's a bit more interesting of a, of a thought process, right? Like, I can be hurt, but I can't die. But you went with very weak. So I was kind mm-hmm. of like, well, I don't want to be very weak. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> so you set the parameters on that one.
1: I still don't think I'd change my answer, though. Yeah, because, yeah, maybe i like, if I had to pick, I would say invincible and regular life expectancy. Because, man, imagine being invincible.
0: It sounds pretty great, right?
1: But also, like, would you care about being invincible? Like, are you the type of person who prioritizes being invincible? Like, do you get into many fights? I would if you I don't... was invincible.
0: <laughs> 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 if I was invincible, a... I'd just go solve everything I wanted to solve, <laughs> right? Like, I can't be hurt. <laughs> mm. I like this idea of an invincible but mortal person, that they couldn't be hurt by anything, and then one day, gone. You know what made (laughs) me think of
1: it? You know what made me think of it? When you collect the star in Super Mario, you are invincible, but for a short period of time.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, I hope it would be longer than Mario, because that's really not very long. Like, I
1: guess if you want to put it in Mario terms, would you want to get the star, or would you want to be short Mario, you know, before you get the mushroom forever?
0: But again... You're not giving like much of a who wants to be the tiny Mario forever.
1: Hey, that sounds horrible. maybe there's some hey, maybe some folks like to do that. That's why I asked you.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely like you want to get invincible the star. but mortal. Yeah, okay, okay, all right. Thank you for that question. Sure, I can see why you like getting these questions actually. <laughs> it's very intriguing. All right, we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Cheerio.